0: This is episode 51 of the Birding Life podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the people that pursue them. Today's episode is both lots of fun and informative. I chat to rugby player, gym fanatic, and obviously an amazing birder, Tristan Spurway. The interview covers a whole range of topics, including lots of tips for finding great birds in the machubas area. As always, the Birding Life is proud to be associated with Swarovski Optic. One of the world's leading producers of binoculars, binoculars, and spotting scopes. As well as the Bird Lasser bird logging app, Spot, Plot, Play a Part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. The Birding Life is a lot more than just a podcast. It's a multi-platform resource to connect birders with each other, amazing locations, the best resources, and obviously where to find amazing birds. Be sure to check out our website, www.thebirdinglife.com, our YouTube channel, and our various social media platforms. Our youth birding podcast has just had a two part interview with Kalina Kanna from Canada that you definitely don't want to miss. If you have a story that you'd like to share, you can simply send us a voice note and we will look to include it in the show. So without further ado, let's hear from today's guest, Tristan Spurway. So, Tristan, want to welcome you to the show. We'll be speaking a while about getting you on the podcast, and finally, we've got you on. So welcome to the Birding Life podcast.
1: Yeah, Laka, thank you. It's, it's good to finally be on it after watching it happen for months and months without me even getting to know what it's really about. I'm really
0: keen. Comments I make a lot of times is when I get to interview certain people, as I say to them, you don't fit into the traditional mold of what a birder looks like. And Tristan, if I look at you, I mean, I follow you on Instagram and I look at what you get up to. The reality is, in a traditional sense, you don't look a lot like what people would think a birder looks like. But, you know, as I've done this podcast, I've started learning more and more that there is no real mold for what a birder looks like. And I just think it's so exciting that so many more people are getting involved in birding.
1: Yeah, you know, like that—that um, that, that, actually get that question a lot. Where I'll be on the rugby field, even, and I'll be looking up at like a raptor flying over, and guys will me, "You know, you don't look like a birder." And I'm like, "What is the typical mold of a birder?" There's no specific person that fits that mold. You can go old people, a sports jock, all sorts, and it's really lucky to see because now I'm noticing people are seeing it as less of an old person's hobby, which which is allowing a lot of a lot of younger people to come out of their boxes enjoy birding to the fullest and not be bullied by their friends or laughed at for for their hobby.
0: For people that are listening who have no idea who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay, so um, <laughs> my name is Tristan Spurway. I only really got into birding yo, in 2015. I'm a big uh, rugby player, sportsman. Uh, I love gym and all those things. And uh, I'm currently studying at BSc Agricultural Economics at Taxes, which yeah, it's kind of, I've kind of chose it around the, my love of birding and nature. And I think quite a, quite a few people will know me. Um, I've fallen off the, off the birding radar a little bit lately because life gets, life gets a bit busy. But um, I plan to start making a bit more of an appearance at birding events and on uh, Facebook and things like
0: that. So what are your plans for the future look like if that's what you're studying? What are you looking to do when you finish with university?
1: Um, well, I've already started a business um, through my dad's company. We make like planter boxes and things for the garden. And uh, I actually look to get into tilapia breeding purely for creating cheap protein that we can sell to poorer communities within Southern Africa to help boost uh, nutrition for younger children.
0: Oh, that's really awesome. So let's go back to the beginning. How did this passion for chasing birds start?
1: Um, well, I've always been uh, a nature lover. Uh, my aunt and uncle both uh, are game rangers having worked at Pinda and all those places. So I got a lot of fun bed nights and things. But I actually started with mammals. And uh, around twenty end of 2014, I was bought a, a bridge camera. I think it was a Nikon Coolpix or something like that. And uh, we were up in Botswana. And I think I photographed a me starling in like perfect light in a green tree. And I was like, yo, I'm hooked now. Like birds are the only way to go. Um, and that's that's basically it
0: yeah and then what's your life list looking like right now <laughs>
1: um, it's it's been a bit
0: bleak because
1: I've I've only really stayed in Limpopo northern kZN Kh so I'm currently sitting on I think 592 but uh, once I hit the Western Cape I will boost like mad.
0: yeah it's not a bad number at all I've been watching some of your posts you've seen some really awesome birds and you you're based in quite a cool area also which I think is does help.
1: Um, yeah, no, no doubt. Um, I'm, I'm unfortunately one of the guys that missed the big turn fallout and all of those things, but, um, yeah, I've, I can say I've, I've, seen some, some pretty cool birds like striped crake in the last three months and yeah, a couple other cool species, but yeah, being based in, being based in Hanitzburg for a while has, uh, helped a lot. Like my first, my first strike was actually black fronted. That's because I only really started looking for that bird first um and most of my first birds were actually those difficult to see forest
0: specials Yeah, you've spoken about a cool bird you've seen what is your biggest bogey bird
1: i'm, I'm too embarrassed to say i, w- I would say it's probably black bellied busted <laughs> and i know i know it's um, a massive bogey because i think i've been in the cougar six times in the last year and i'm still missing it so embarrassing
0: well, it's quite funny because obviously staying in Durban, one of the, the birds that people get to see is Mac by mannequin. And I remember, you know, everyone gets to see them in Westville, which is there's like this park. You gotta you go there and you're gonna see Mac by mannequin. I think for about two years I went to this park and I can go with anyone and whenever I went there there was no Mac by mannequin. So <laughs> I kind of can feel your pain. Yeah,
1: it's uh, it's 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 very rough. I hope you finally got them though.
0: Finally, funny enough, I actually got them in our local area. One actually pitched up at our local bird park and I managed to get one, which was quite Exciting! So I have managed to get it, and at a place which I didn't expect to get it.
1: Okay, okay. Well, hopefully the same happens for me with this bastard.
0: So um you've already spoken about the fact that you're a rugby player. So besides birding, what other passions do you have? Yeah. Yo,
1: um, where do I even start? So apart from like, like in nature terms, apart from birds, I'm a huge uh, herper, which for those that don't know it means like reptiles and frogs and things. Um, I'm love mammals since the day i've been born um if somebody had to ask me i could probably name every single mammal in the world and yeah i'm also a big fan of athletics and basketball cricket i keep fish as well in tanks it's also a big thing i'm a gardener yeah i think that's about it but it's uh it's a very busy life for me oh and i like jawling as well i'm a bit of a party animal which doesn't shouldn't go hand in hand with birding but uh, i've made it work
0: dude honestly if contradiction was a person you would be that person <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I promise the amount of times I've had to decide between going out or going to going birding next next morning really early. Um it's it's too many to count on both hands.
0: And are you someone who just plays sport or do you also someone who enjoys watching sport?
1: Um yeah, you know, I I like to watch rugby. And I'm a Lions fan, so I'm sorry all those Bulls and Sharks fans out there. Yeah, other than that, I I couldn't be bothered with football really.
0: Yeah, uh, besides your crappy rugby team, <laughs> you're you're pretty decent, oak.
1: <laughs> Listen, um, yeah, I'm sorry I'm not a Sharky. I actually used to be, but uh, I went to the good side.
0: Ah, uh, you gotta do. We gotta do some work on you. So you have got a girlfriend. So is your girlfriend a Alberta? Firstly,
1: ah, uh, sadly not. But. I made a good choice because she actually lives on a game farm on the border of the Cougar. So uh, it was a very strategic choice of girl.
0: So, so how do you make that work? Because, I mean, birders are like some of the most passionate people out there. And, and I mean, I know some birders, they're like, you know, it's like they can be with you, but they in another world at the same time. So how do you make it work dating a non-birder?
1: Yeah, you know, um she, she actually tags along for a lot of the trips because she just sort of in the back and just chill. But I must say, I've been shouted at a few times for getting distracted by like a career trash flying over in the middle of conversation or something like that. Um, so it is. It is hard, but it's it's something that you really can make work if you just if you just like uh, differentiate birding time and normal time.
0: So here's the question. Let's spoil the beans. Have you ever had a bird related fight with your girlfriend?
1: <laughs> yes, I have actually. I don't remember what I wanted to twitch, but we we were supposed to have a, a date that day, um, and and I was really wanted to go and twitch his bird, but uh, needless to say, she won in the end, and I didn't end up twitching
0: it. Probably was a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jordan, Ralph, and you are really good mates, and you're another well-known um, young birder in the birding community. So, what has been your best birding trip that you guys have been on?
1: Yeah, well, um, I think I've made most of my birding trips with them, so it's a very difficult choice. Probably, we we did a Limpopo like Bird Bash Bio Bash where we hit about 350 species in about. A week and a half. Um, And uh, I think most notable memory was spending 12 hours in a a forest called Rudderwald looking for Broadbill. Now, now bear in mind, we did this in the completely wrong season. So no males were calling. We were in our slops and the path just ended. So we kept on walking, getting absolutely pelted by thorns. Um, I think my feet bled for two days after that, basically. And by the end of the third day, we decided that the broadbull path wasn't the path to go on anymore. So we tried the Honeyguide path, two meters into the Honeyguide path, and we get a broadbull.
0: You seem to make a habit of birding in slops. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say
1: just slops. I've, uh, especially when I'm in Hammondsburg, I tend to bird barefoot. It's probably not the best for me, but uh, it feels good.
0: <laughs> so it's a Placian. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm, the, I'm one of the few English Placians.
0: <laughs> for the overseas listeners, that means uh, farm boy. <laughs> just, so, just, just to clarify you know what almost all birders have is these huge book collections and I spoke to you before we chatted and you said you got quite a decent bird and nature book collection now this is one of those difficult questions almost like asking a parent to choose their favorite child but which are some of your favorite books on your bookshelf right now whether they are birding related or just nature related which books are your favorite and why are you so passionate about those books
1: um yeah you know I would say you always want the book that you can't have so that's always the favorite one um and I've currently got birds of the world um that that new one that's come out on its way so that probably will be my favorite but here it's definitely bill branches um snakes and other reptiles book just because it's i think it's out of print now it's the only good reptile guide you can find right now in south africa and it's amazing and i think no birder is complete um without the chamberlain's guide to wide hearting that book has has brought me many a lifer So yeah, and other than that, I've got way too many books to choose from. And I'm also busy saving up for that um, Seabird of the World Guide that just came out as well.
0: I think it's just amazing the impact that Fancy Peacock has actually had on Like modern day birding, his books have just made his LBJs, Waiters books and, you know, the Wadagha Ting, his books have had, you know, they've almost become classics in in this time for for birders.
1: I definitely agree. And I'm going to, it's a bit awkward to admit, but I don't have uh, Waiters or LBJs yet. And uh, I I don't see anybody that doesn't have that book yet as a proper birder because those things need to be with you all the time. They are such good books. Um, I'm just waiting until the day that I actually get my hands on them.
0: You chatted earlier about the fact that you're passionate about herping. You were chatting to me about um, some trip or some something that you guys are doing in Johannesburg around some species that was extinct or thought to be extinct. Tell us about that story.
1: Um, yeah, so it's actually in Hannesburg, out, out near Clough. Um, there's a, a species called Eastwood's long-tailed seps, which was, it's only known from one specimen um, that's in the museum. I think it's up that side or somewhere around that area. And people have been scur- like scouring the grasslands to find them in over and over again. Um, and the opportunity this, this last week has arisen um, from Vincent Egan, he's a very well-known herpetologist. Um, they want to do huge sweeps of the grasslands, set up drop traps, set up um, a whole lot of other different types of traps through the grasslands in an attempt to rediscover this uh, species. Because sadly, they, their habitat was completely wiped out by the plantations.
0: And any snakes
1: you just get off? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, obviously, I, I pre- I'd prefer not to be bitten by a black mamba, but I don't know. There's, there's, there's nothing that scares me in terms of the wilderness.
0: Well, we were driving this weekend. We went to Twitch, the buff breasted sandpiper, and we were driving towards um, Nimbiti off, uh, not Nimbiti, uh, Nabella Lodge afterwards, and driving along the tar road there. And yeah, probably about a meter and a half, two meter a green mum across, uh, across the road. So that was pretty cool.
1: Yo, girl, that's that's some snake you don't want climbing up your engine, there.
0: Oh, it's been crazy. Is, I'm not a herper, but it's been the second time we've seen it. We actually were birding it in Plumzini, and we were walking down one of the paths, and there was one about, two or so meters to the, to the left of us and was quite chilled. We were actually able to take photos of it and, and that kind of thing. So I'm not a huge snake fan, but I must say a green mumber is a, a stunning, stunning species. It's it's really, it's a beautiful snake to see.
1: Yeah, and, and, and uh, we definitely have to change the fact that you're not a huge snake fan.
0: We're going to get you out herping in
1: Hammondsburg.
0: I've actually been herping with people and, you know, it's like the guy said, oh, just hold this, hold the snake. I'm like, dude, no way.
1: (laughs) No, listen, it's fine. It's fine. I'll, I'll change your mind. I back myself.
0: You chatted a little bit about some of the areas you burden. So what is your favorite area to burden and why? Give us all the juicy details about why you like birding in this area.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this one is probably why everybody knows me because I'm like like one of the go-to people for this area for Gen. But it's just the entire area around uh, Limpopo, which is for those that don't know, is around Makubus wood Woodbush area. Um, and to put into perspective, um, in terms of species, if you sit at my farm, just just a kilometer from there, you can get black bush really easily. And a kilometer from that spot, where you can get black bush You've got a really good chance of getting Shetty's Franklin and Bushveld Pippet, which absolutely blows my mind. And then just over the hill, you have the Zanine Lofelt, which is in the same pentad where we've picked up thick-billed cuckoo, fin-foot, white-backed night heron. And then the other side of the hill, you go over, and, you can, and this isn't the same pentad, sadly, but you can get short-taught lark, a yellow-bellied aromomala. Um, I've had like dusky lark and a whole lot of other dry, dry species there. And apart from that, the views are stunning. The whole area is just strewn with waterfalls and grasslands and yeah anybody that doesn't want to go there um, i wouldn't trust because it's such an
0: incredible area if people head up there which would be good places for people to be based like which town would they stand that kind of thing
1: um yeah like the the town of Hammondsburg itself um has plenty of wonderful uh, small accommodations and it's probably is one of the best places to be based because you you're nestled in this little mountain valley i mean little mountain village with like lots of grassland and, and wonderful species so I would say just around the Hannesburg town. And uh, if you struggle to find accommodation there, head towards the inside. And you can also try your luck with white-breasted cuckoo shrike and bat walk, and things like that. So anywhere in that area is the best place to stay.
0: So if a person headed up there for the weekend, what would you suggest? What would an itinerary look like where they can really maximize birding in the area? What would you suggest?
1: Oh, well, it's a tough one. Because there's so much to see that it's a bit difficult for a weekend. But i definitely suggest... Mm, Okay, well, the one day has to be done through Woodbush Drive or Stanford Lake uh, Lodge Lodge's walk because you don't even have to dedicate a day. You could probably dedicate the morning going down Woodbush Drive, picking up orange ground thrush, black Bush shrike the works. You head down. You head down to Dibagini Waterfall um there you can try for grey wagtail there. it's also good for like mountain wagtail and things and then from there head straight into zanin and uh, try luck like, with some of those low felt specials that's that's probably day one um and then day two try the polakwani specials get your get your endemics on
0: if you have for a day's birding if someone took a day's birding what how many species would you expect to get on average that's a very tough question
1: but um i think myself and jordan ralph we, had, we, we did a, a a bit of a pentad challenge um, but this is also during the biobash. I think in one day we managed 130 species, but that's without, that's with just trying the forests and the closer areas. Um, I'd say if you really pushed it and you went an entire route, you could easily hit 200 on a calm day's birding.
0: Just to clarify, it's not just birds you're getting. It's not just numbers. I think what people need to realize is that it's a lot of quality birds in those numbers. And I think that's what makes birding there so special.
1: Yeah, I know, 100% because yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of endemics, You've got cat Parrot, endangered species. You've got black bush shrike, which you can only really get in South Africa, within Johannesburg and Hoodspread area. You've got Orange Ground Thrush. You've got all of the species that people think about when they looking through their their first bird guide, saying, "Yo, I want to see that
0: one there." When we we're chatting, also you spoke about the fact that you have a passion for grassland conservation. So tell us why you're so passionate about grassland conservation, and you know how are you involved in conserving our grasslands?
1: Um, yeah, I know it's funny because I actually shouldn't have a passion for grasslands because. Uh, For anybody that knows Devon grasslands, they're extremely cold. And I hate I always say I hate these grasslands whenever we go there in winter because I'm I do not deal well with the cold. But I don't know, there's just something special about about especially about Southern Africa's grasslands. We've got such Beautiful, uh, like like the rolling grasslands in some areas, and even the Devon grassland areas. It's are just interesting. And we've got so many endemics. And I don't know, it's just, I've always been passionate about grasslands. And in, up in Hammersburg, we have a there's a, a project called FROC, which is uh, Friends of the Hammersburg Grasslands. Um, for anybody looking for it, it's dot I think. And they try and maintain the grasslands, um, push the uh, lumber mill owners to burn. Less because it's really affecting a lot of habitat it's the reason why the blue swallows have moved out the reason why we haven't seen any of the the rarer species in the grasslands for a long time and i've done a few posts and things advocating for us for a certain amount of issues with these these grasslands in particular and uh Actually, in- interestingly enough, um, the Hainensburg granite grasslands are the only critically endangered, is the only critically endangered habitat within Limpopo.
0: Yeah, hey, and I think what's interesting is, you know, this is, goes back to why I think birding is so cool. You know, you're a guy, we spoke about the fact that you enjoy a good draw and you're a rugby player and all these other things. But, you know, I think if you weren't a birder, there's no way that you would have been someone who would have been passionate about conservation. And I think it just, you know, birding makes you so aware of the environment around you.
1: It's, it's, it's opened my eyes to invasive species. The pine forests, like back in the day, I would have looked at the pine forests and been like, wow, these things, these forests are beautiful. I wish there were more of these forests because everybody loves those pine forests in those areas. But now I walk into them and you listen to how desolate they are and you realize just how important it is that we conserve these small areas. And uh, that's why I also think it's really important to get a lot of our youth into birding or just other natural hobbies because with that comes conservation.
0: And you spoke about the Penta challenges you do earlier. Obviously, you're someone who's passionate about atlasing also.
1: Yeah, yeah I love atlasing. And, and I think that's also a big reason why so many people have got into birding, especially within the past few years, because it's created a bit of a competition or it's an objective to work towards. Mys- myself and Jordan, actually, we tend to do it together, but we are uh, big into our wider charting birding. Our lists aren't as high as we want them to be, but we push to find new species within the within the ranges just so we can put it on bird lasser and, I don't know, just show... The scientific community what else can be found out here it's, it's an incredibly fun almost game to play
0: you know personally i'm one of those people i you know i think like any birder we always enjoy doing a twitch i mean we're twitching on saturday but one thing i really really enjoy more than you know going on any twitch i've ever been on is when you go to an area and you find species that have maybe never been recorded in that area before and i think that's what atlasing does atlasing for me is it, it allows you to find birds that Possibly no one else has seen in that pentad before. I find areas and locations that other people haven't seen before, and you know it really just opens your eyes up. And I, I think you know what I've always also realised when I get to Atlas, and and it just goes back to your conservation focus earlier. It's not just the birds you see; it's also the birds you don't get to see. Because sometimes when you go to certain places, the birds you don't get to see also tell a story.
1: Yeah, know 100%. Um, and that's that's exactly it. the birds you don't get to see. That's that's actually a very good way to put it. It just shows you how how degraded a habitat could be and that's it and also with with the point that you made about seeing these new areas and things you you see such incredible things because you going out of your way looking on google maps look for new areas with good habitat to see and i i the other day went into a valley that i never thought would be beautiful just because i was like cool let's try and find crown eagle in this area and we walked deep into this valley and it was just stunning waterfalls and rocks and just swifts flying all around us in the middle of um something i never thought i'd see
0: which areas have you in the time since you started addressing, have you seen where there has been habitat loss that has started to affect the area
1: um well <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about hannesburg quite a bit here but just just to put into perspective in in the penta that i'm like i like to uh try and push the limit of it's already being absolutely destroyed um fences are being put up which is, is hampering a lot of uh, mammal migration forests are being cleared for abos and then not just that In some parts of zarkal are looking a bit like they've, they've cut a lot of the sides away which is not too great for the warblers and i think that's one of the reasons why it's become a little bit harder to see river warbler in them the recent years and countless other pentads just around water and especially these age pentads like the one i'm in in pretoria is just you have a beautiful piece of grass and a beautiful piece of bush felt, and within a year it's gone for development
0: has a tough question you know you spoke earlier about projects you want to be involved in around poverty alleviation that's that's one side of your life and then the other side of your life is this passion for conservation you know how do you bring the two together because you know just to just to put a story we you know there's a little place i go atlasing down in one of the local valleys and there's a there's a good little spot where i always used to get gray waxbill, and i stopped there the one day and you know i'd always got there was most very reliable spot for gray waxbill. stopped there and a guy was building a house and you know, little one of these little houses, and I thought, okay. You know, firstly, there was the frustration part of me, like you know, this guy's like bugging up the environment kind of thing. But then you start thinking about it, like, okay, you know, how do you bring the two together? How do you, you know, answer the the real questions that they are in South Africa, while at the same time making conservation a priority?
1: Yeah, uh, it's an it's an extremely extremely difficult uh, thing to balance because it's that whole like you always get those people who say, yeah, the world would be so much better without people, but well I, I personally believe that where you can help local communities you can help the environment around that community because if you're if you're feeding or, or let's say let's say if you're feeding the people within the community if you're helping them get food for cheaper you've got fewer people need to go out and uh, slash and burn to subsistence farm or cut down trees to sell for firewood you've got fewer families needing to have as many children to help farm a plot of land because you're you're helping the future development of that family and the future development of that family unit
0: i think one of the cool things about the younger generation are those getting university at the moment i think there's a lot more consciousness around the issues that people are facing so i think when you've got someone who's got a heart for conservation but at the same time they're aware of the reality of what our country is facing right now i think the future looks good because i think we have people who have a heart for both which is really exciting going forward i mean these are, are difficult questions to grapple on. i don't think we can answer them one podcast but you know it's it's almost going into a battle aware of the two sides and i think you know that this generation this younger generation is a lot better equipped to to look at those kinds of things i would i feel
1: um yeah no 100 we we've also experienced the turn of a century where things started getting really bad so i think because we've grown up with it we've kind of we're aware of the issues so we we've come up with ways to think of how to fix it and I'd, like I'm sure you've heard of uh, Mapungubwe, I'm just thinking of places that have been degraded by Atlasing. But Mapungubwe, um, for those that don't know, is a is a national park split in two in the northwestern part of Limpopo. Um, it borders Zimbabwe, Botswana, and South Africa, and it's in the middle is a uh, dense dart wetland. So the whole middle, you've, like I've, I, the reason I have come to the attention of this place is when I first went, there, I realised how degraded this habitat really is. Um, the whole middle is just Farming and now it's been land claimed and now it's covered in townships. And if you can get into those communities and help them out, like the youth, as we've seen it want to do, you can actually increase natural areas.
0: Yeah. So let's let's chat about a little bit about now. Go back to the chasing bird side of things. So. You spoke about how you guys chase hard, chase birds hard to get them on your list. And, you know, you really are a great birder. And I just want to ask you, just on a practical basis, a lot of people want to do better in challenges, whether that's a personal challenge to, to better their own numbers or to, you know, go up in the rankings. You know, what advice would you give to people that want to start doing better in challenges on, on a practical level?
1: Um, Yeah, no, like I know. like I fully understand the practicality because um, I've actually... I, haven't, I believe that I've reached my full potential with uh, all these challenges because I'm just so busy, but I still uh, hit a certain potential. And what you've got to do is you've just got to, one, dedicate some time in a week or some time in a month where you're going to go bird and you're going to bird hard. Now, that's usually, even if it's just a morning, you can still pump out species, pump out some really awesome species. And uh, another really important thing is to not follow the status quo. Look, Look for areas that have not been birded yet. Look for maybe check Google Earth. Look for good habitat. Start thinking what could occur here, rather than mm, it's not here on the distribution map, so it probably isn't here. And and if you talk to some of the best bird well yeah the best birders and the challenges in heart thing, a lot of those people will be like this looks like good habitat for whatever species. And within the next couple of months or the next couple of years, that species is found there. So just increase what you think can occur there. You need to a little bit of research and it's also a lot of luck and a lot of perseverance
0: i think what's quite cool about your birding journey and you're speaking about you know carving out space uh you know in the month to bird and that and i think you know I've, I've spoken to a lot of birders who are quite extreme younger birders older birders where their whole life is is just birding and i've even asked some guys you know what else do you have in your life besides birding and i, I love the fact that you know as i speak to your person that has is possibly different to a lot of other people in terms of birding where you've got a lot more balance in life and i just think the thing which i love about your story story it just says to people you know what you don't have to do it the way that everybody else is doing it you know you need to carve out your own journey carve out your own path and i think most of all have have lots of fun while you do what you do
1: yeah know, like that's that's exactly it like i i sometimes do struggle when i see people out there burning i'm like Yo, i wish i could but you know, when you've got a rugby game on the Saturday that you've got to prepare for, or a test, or um, I've got other commitments, it's you. You feel the pain that you really want to get out there. But eventually, you start learning to dedicate time. And yeah, you might miss that river warbler that day, but uh, in the time that you go out, you might find something cooler. And that's that's um, a really important way to think of
0: it. What I've realised, probably in your kind of your kind of boat where I don't always have the time to go out and chase as many birds as other people do. You know, sometimes I actually, there's a and rare bird alert thing on my phone, I sometimes just mute it because, yeah, it kind of get quite frustrating seeing the birds that everyone else is seeing and not getting to see those birds. You know, I've just made a decision that whenever I got a bird, whether it's a local birding patch, whether I'm going down to the park down the road, I'm just going to make the most of that time. And I think if we just go into that, whether it's seeing the birds we see all the time, or whether it's seeing birds that nobody else is seeing, whether it's seeing a rarity, whatever that might look like, I think it's just making the most of any time we get to go out into the field. and it just. Just enjoying it,
1: yeah. No, like I, I resonate with you in terms of muting those groups because when all those uh, frigate birds and city terms and things were moving in, I had a few meetings and I was I was deep in work. And uh, I've also I've tried to to take on your mindset where if I'm if I'm with my family on and I can't bird, when you, where you can bird, you just sit down, take it all in. It doesn't matter if you're not chasing a dowitcher or something crazy. So long as you're out there, you're enjoying yourself, you're listening to the calls, you it's that's all that really matters you're a birder take take it as a calm hobby but still if you want to be a little bit into a challenge that'll come on later
0: and the reality is is who the hell knows who won the challenge three years ago no one actually knows so the truth is it might be great in the small scheme of things but in the long scheme of things no one actually cares in the long run anyway let's be honest
1: yeah i know that's that's it's very true like and then that's it a lot of people put too much pressure on themselves and they will forego resting or or in really just enjoying the habitat they're in and will push and push and push rather than just taking it easy and dedicating time for being hectic and dedicating time for being just a, the, the original birder.
0: Okay so last question I want to ask you is you know a lot of these famous birders write these books where they give tips for birders on how to improve their skills and that kind of thing so if Tristan Spurway were to write his book and you had to give advice to to other birders on how they can grow what advice would you give them?
1: Well, when I first started birding, I originally didn't have a very good pair of binos. I actually still don't have a good pair of binos. Um, so, what I would say is throw your binos away and learn to bird with your eyes. Because I've become very good with chiz. Don't throw your binos away. Just by the way, disclaimer. But I became very good with chiz, um, seeing birds from a distance, and being able to idea a bird a lot quicker with my eyes. So when I do get my binos on it, if it does fly away, if I get a glimpse, I kind of already knew what it was in the beginning. I can make a educated a decision on the on the idea but i would also say for me what i always tell people especially when they're asking me for gen a lot of people do not learn their calls i don't want to pat my own back but i'm very good with with calls especially in areas that i know and that helps immeasurably like sit down learn your calls if you hear a bird calling record it go home listen to all sorts of comparisons that call and learn that call, especially for the harder things. And uh, I would also say do not bird on farm roads at night. (laughs) That can be very, very dangerous. We had myself and Jordan had two uh, farmers chase us and try and push us off the road. So don't do that. And yeah, I'd say, importantly, don't put too much pressure on yourself. I know when I'm birding, especially when you're birding with like higher profile birders, I put a lot of pressure on myself and I won't make a call Because I'm like, "Mm, maybe I'm wrong. But then I don't make the call. And then it turns out to be the bird that I was going to make the call on. Um, So be confident. Make those calls. Just put yourself out there. Like, Enjoy yourself. Don't put pressure on yourself and uh yeah and obviously most importantly i think the best tip i can get is bird every moment you can
0: i think that one thing you said there is so liberating for a lot of people you know honestly when i got on the field and i'm with anyone that's got a little bit more experience than me i'm always so scared to start calling certain birds and i think for a lot of birders out there i think like i like what you said just do it just call it out so thanks for the advice and tristan it's been great to chat to you so thanks for giving up the time i know we've squeezes in between university and a whole lot of other things but i really appreciate it and yeah i can't wait to chat to you again looking forward to and looking forward to coming up and visiting the farm.
1: Yeah, no, Laka, thank you so much for having me here. I'm actually currently sitting here, having just played rugby before this, so <laughs> we really did squeeze it in. But yeah, no, I'm I'm very keen to have you on the farm, and uh, thank you so much for having me on the on the podcast.
0: We are proud to be working in association with Wild Books to help get all the best birding resources into your hands at a great price. If you would like to support the Birding Out project and the resources that we are putting out please click on the link in either the comment section of this podcast or in our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Be sure to head over to our website www.thebirdinglife.com and check out all the exciting resources that we have on our website, including our exciting forum section to connect you with the world of birding, birders and exciting birds out there. Do not forget to follow The Birding Life on Instagram and Facebook. We really appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out BirdLasser and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a lifeless while playing your part in social conservation. As well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.